It's July 15th, 2019, and we've never done this before, but since it's the last episode of the first season, we wanted to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, when you start something like this, you don't know if anyone will ever hear it. We're already working on a second season and a lot of new stuff to publish in the feed in between now and then. In the meantime, if you are so inclined, there are a few ways you can help support the show. Subscribe. Write a review with stars. Uh, tell someone they might like it, even if they won't. And drop us a line at Ephemeral Show. Music this episode from Nathaniel Krause, K-R-A-U-S-E. Hear more at nathanielkrause.bandcamp.com. Protection of iHeartRadio. Rolling. Happy birthday to you. There may be one in your family. The ethnographer. The documentarian. The person whose self-imposed mission it is to take the picture, start the recording, point the camera in your face and hit the little red button. Maybe it's you. These are some of the family documentarians I've been fortunate enough to meet. First, our producer, Matt Frederick. Getting ready to move to sell the house. Beep. This is an old tan tape cassette that my mother found. In cleaning out a closet, we found a cardboard box that had some old dicta belts in it. I know him as Papa. His name is James Phillips. He was recording this after he found some old tapes. Dicta belts. They had been creased and badly neglected. That he wanted to find a way to transfer over onto cassette tape. And I've tried to rig up a machine to the cassette recorder to see if we could pick up some of it. As near as your mother and I can tell, this first bit was probably recorded in 1951. I had brought the machine home, I remember, to try to record uh, Joy's first words. Here are the facts. My mother was born Christmas 1950. Every year, Papa and Granny would call to the minute that my mother was born and wish her a happy birthday. I have a three-year-old son, and I know early on when he was beginning to vocalize, my wife and I had our phones out all the time, attempting to capture this magical moment, the first word. And that's exactly what my grandfather was attempting to do just with this older technology. So he can't just sit there and roll tape for hours and hours or days or days the way we can with our digital technology now. He had to very purposefully go to attempt to get those first words out of her. Almost like this interrogation. And it doesn't go well. No, it does not go well. <laughs> Daddy. Oh, 
using all kind of baby talk and tricks to get her to do something and resulted only in making her take the following first recorded protest. That was about all the crying from joy as a little tiny baby that we could tolerate. So The frustration that he has in thinking about it and the uh, disbelief that anyone ever would be interested in listening to this. We are cutting over that part even now, 40 years, 41 years later. Can't understand why I recorded so much of it. That is a baby sound. As a father, I know exactly how old of a child that is. I mean, it really is between zero and six, seven months. So it must be in 1951. When you're moving, think about how hectic that situation is, trying to get all of your worldly possessions into boxes. I guarantee you that while they were planning to move, my grandfather stumbled upon this, and then late one night, he got out of his cassette player, he got out some old hardware that he had laying around somewhere, and just began listening. And as soon as he stumbled upon it, he felt like he needed to have it. We have advanced forward on the tape, and uh, we could hear efforts to play on a little music box, Brahms lullaby, and Mama was able to get her to concentrate on that, and later she and her mother started quite a conversation. I think maybe that would be worth saving. So let's see how it sounds. The sounds you are hearing now are the ones that were precious then and are still precious now. I went over to my grandparents in search of a cassette tape. That's Michael. A specific cassette tape that was recorded of my great-grandparents along with my grandparents eating dinner. And my mother and my uncle singing songs when they were kids. It's an odd tape. It's odd they would record themselves eating dinner. My guess is that my mom and my uncle got a hold of the tape recorder and they were just running around with it. At some point, maybe they set it down to eat their dinner and caught everybody on tape. I had never met my great-grandmother, who was recorded in the audio talking. I'm pretty sure I did not digitize the whole tape. It was just a section of it, so who knows what else is on there. At some point, my grandmother wanted it back, so I gave it back to her, and it got lost in a big pile of stuff. I went over there looking for it, and I asked them about it, and they have no idea where it is. And my grandfather said, oh, I can get you more tapes, and he's, he's hard of hearing. I, I don't think he understood I was looking for cassette tapes in specific. And he came back with two VHS tapes, 
One was eight millimeter home recordings, Bob and Sherry in Avondale. You can hear the projector running. Okay, we've got T-Ball here back in 1968. Bob playing T-Ball. Then we're gonna go to some kind of party that uh, muscular dystrophy party. Scenes of our home there in Annandale in 1968. So he's recording from 8mm to a VHS tape. So these are all, these are about five different tapes that are spliced together here, different occasions. I think it's got Bob's seventh birthday uh, on it also. That's the introduction. And it's pretty much quiet. No narration, nothing. At some point he coughs, which I like. I don't know if he actually shows the whole film, or, or I mean, if he. At some point, this VHS tape got recorded thank over. You. No, thank you from all 8,800 Eastern employees in Atlanta. So my guess is my grandfather recorded over the tape to record a football game. The Chicago Bears have lost a leader on the field. I'm not sure if he started his recording at the end of the 8mm tape or if he just cut off the end portion of it or didn't realize what the tape was or if he just didn't give a... uh, just didn't care. Papu is notorious for taping over things. He would always go out on the back porch to rehearse his Kingdom Hall talks. And he used one particular cassette tape. Let's go to heaven after death, where everything is perfect. That Pickwick, that black Pickwick. Heaven is pictured in many different ways. He would record himself rehearsing it. Then he would go and listen to it in the living room. If he thought something needed to be changed, he would go and record himself over the old recording. Where everything is perfect. And pretty much every time he gave a talk, he would use the same tape, just record over what was previously recorded. And beyond to the regions of outer space with their stellar bodies. That's how he practiced for his Sunday school talks. How many times do you think he recorded over that? Ah, it's hard to say. He's given a lot of talks. Like years of recording over the same tape? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, he was using that tape. The other one was 2002 Trip to Colorado. So I had to have been... 13? 13, yeah, sounds about right. 13, yeah. Can I go pet the cow? No. Hey, cow. I was usually the trip videographer. We used to have an old VHS camcorder at first, but I took that into a hot tub when we were in Florida, and it never worked after that. So, did it? Was it submerged? Oh yeah. <laughs> so this one was documented on a VHSC tape that was actually later transferred to VHS. I'm pretty sure I did that. Yeah, I thought it'd be easier for them to watch on VHS to figure that out versus putting the tape in the little. VHS converter tape device. We are at the Alamo, Momo, Momo. It's me doing a lot of recording in the car on our way to Colorado. Here we're trying to find those alien markings. Kristen was there, Jeremy was there. Jeremy always sat in the front seat. Kristen was in the back with me and Granny. You saw enough? Yeah, I think we're out of the main. This is just. Okay. No, we're going to go watch the movie, aren't we? 
She would periodically point out the window at different things that she wanted me to point the camera at. I was always kind of reluctant to do it. For some reason, I was more interested in recording the family in the car. Come on, car, do something. I didn't really care about the surroundings in Arizona and the beautiful desert and everything. I just I wanted to record the family. Okay, we might as well get some tourist information. The tape's not just riding in the car across all these states. I also you know, record some when we stop at the different resorts or motels or wherever we stayed at. To progress the film, you have the, <laughs> you have the car ride, you have the place we're staying at, you're walking into it. Bathroom. Oh, yeah, two beds. One for me. How do we meet? We met in film school. We met in experimental media with Nick Vollmer. What was the project that you were working on, the final project of that semester, that class? Goodness, it's been almost a decade since I watched it. That's not... It's been eight years since we've been out of... Nine years since we've been out of college. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're old now. (laughs) (laughs) Getting there. This is my wife, Victoria. So it's experimental media. And a lot of the films that we had watched up until that point had obvious visual signs of decay. Works like Ken Jacobs' perfect film and Ariana Gerstein's Layette, in which the noise and degradation of the film stock is foregrounded in the aesthetic. That inspired me to look at my home movies that my grandfather shot and just see what I had to to play with, to work with. I actually noticed that some of the videotapes already had some signs of decay. The images were jumping. The sound got worked. The color went from color and then black and white with the actual visual skips and jumps of the film. I realized it was actually already a little bit experimental. Oh, it sounds like it's going to get a little heavy on the music. Grandpa was born September 19th, 1925, I think. He was born in Ohio. I know he's buried in Lebanon, but I can't remember where he was born. I can't believe um, you just knew his birth date off the top of your head. Yeah, Grandpa Bob was born September 19th. Grandma Betty was born February 8th, and she was three years younger than him. So he was born in 25, she was born in 1928. I think he died uh, June 24th, 2001. So he just, it's just been some... 18? Wow. 18 years since he's passed. Whew. It's a long time. Who you got with you? Let's see. Becky, Alicia, Jonathan, upside down, Andrea, Andrea. Hey. He went to Texas A&M and he graduated in three years, comes back to Ohio, and he's working in television. He's a broadcast engineer. Grandpa Bob worked at WCMH. WCMH-TV, Columbus, Ohio an NBC affiliate that is still Channel 4 in Columbus. From the days of Dumont to the days that were 24-hour news. You're watching Newswatch for Columbus, WCMH Television. For as long as he was alive and he was working, he was in television. He must have really loved it because he worked and was around cameras all day at work and then came home and then had a camera in his hand to record his children and then eventually his grandchildren. 
How do you just record anything? I didn't realize how special it was, but he recorded one, us all the time. Outside, you know, playing hopscotch or playing with our dolls or picking raspberries from the bushes that Mima Betty grew. Nothing eventful happening, but he always had the camera on, always shooting the video. Okay, folks. And he did that with his children, too. We're now back in 1967, summer, Oakstone Road in Dayton, Ohio. Because there's tons and tons of video and snapshots of my mom and, and her brothers, too. There's Miss Karen Dye. My dad was in the military. My mom was a nurse. And so we moved like seven times when we were growing up. The footage of Becky as a baby, my grandfather definitely shot because my parents didn't have or couldn't afford a video camera then. Take this over to Becky. Okay. Okay. Where are you going? But when Grandpa did get us a video camera, my mother are you swinging? would film everything for him. If it was Easter, or if it's like a random Tuesday in April. The air conditioner is not running. It's not a tape, it's an Nintendo game. <gasps> she got it! Oh, no! Mima and Peepa used to send us goodie boxes all the time. Just randomly, because they found something that we might like at Myers. So it could be May when there's no massive celebration and we'd get a goodie box. My mother would record this and then send it back to Grandma and Grandpa. When we were cleaning out their house after Grandpa was gone and after Grandma was moved into an assisted living, we had the videos that my parents shipped back to them. And then we had Grandpa Bob's version and my mother's version. We grew up having a camera in our face and we thought it was really normal. Wait a minute. Oh, jeez. It wasn't until I got older, and I think when I met you, that I realized that not every child had a treasure trove of home movies. I suppose I didn't know anyone had this much family history documented on tape. Andrea, you tired? There's just one video of Andrea sleeping on the kitchen table. She's really little. She's like two or three. And so she's on the very edge of the chair, and her little head is on top of the table. And she wakes up, looks at them, and just starts bawling. <laughs> bawling out of nowhere. I guess that's, that's a sleepy, tired, cranky baby. What do you guys think, Victoria? There's a video of me standing in front of a Christmas tree as a little two-year-old with a raspy voice. Okay, go ahead and sing it. My you make my Singing You Are My Sunshine, that was my song, still my jam. Becky, my oldest sister, is behind me trying to sing it too, and I get so irate. I push her, I think, and I say, I want to sing it. You're going to get on the elephant? There's one at an amusement park. I wanted hot chocolate, and 
I don't think that anyone really cared. No, what are you seeing there? I see you in here, you bozo. They're still filming the sights and the rides around me, and then there's me, a little braided seven-year-old, jumping up into the lens of the camera, popping up. I want hot chocolate. I want hot chocolate. I don't think you understand me. I want hot chocolate. Hey, Victoria. And he loved his cats. Boo boo. You okay? Oh, oh, I heard another one over there. Boo boo. Tasha, where are you? Tasha. Hey, Tasha. Hi, Tasha. Tasha. Look in here. We have so much of Grandpa's gear. We have a Yoshika, a Pentax, a 1919 Kodak autographic, a Brownie Hawkeye. We have a Super 8 handheld stick camera. We had this gigantic Crosby box that I think came from the studio that he was working at, and eventually they retired it. I think we still have the tube. I don't think we have his big VHS camera. I don't know what happened to that. A videotape. And we have a treasure trove of VHS tapes. And we only have like a fraction of them. There's more at my parents' house. Hundreds upon hundreds of tapes. My dad started digitizing them uh, many, many years ago. And I think he took a little break. Kind of made him sad to see his little babies all grown up in real life and his little babies there in film. So you've undertaken the mammoth task of digitizing them. I've sort of only done it insofar that I've said that I'm doing it. You've done, you've probably done like 10, 20 tapes. It's a slow task. My dad once told me I was the family documentarian. And while I have rolled a lot of tape, it's mostly people doing bits. A toast to the hotel. Playing characters. Cheers. This is the best part of hotel. Three guys. Very little could be considered non-fiction. Are you still filming? Yeah. Uh, you can stop it. And I can't help but feel guilty. Like I haven't been a good steward of William's history. Turns out the feeling runs in the family. See, I feel like I didn't do a good job of that. And it makes me cringe a little bit even to talk about it because it's not like I have a great historical record of sound of our family. My parents had a 8mm, not Super 8, 8mm movie camera, and it had no sound. Everything's a silent movie. A lot of that footage that we have was recorded by Grandma Williams. She would spend hours shooting 8mm out the car window as they were driving around with their Airstream. There's stretches of farmland and countryside that you have no idea where it really is, and then all of a sudden there's relatives appearing in, in a yard running around, and it's like, where are we and who are these people? <laughs> One of the reasons that I, we never bought a camcorder is it's just expensive. Spending the money on it would have been hard. Instead, got the VCR and time-shifted all your shows, which seems so salient now that we all watch our shows whenever we want anyway. I know we have a video of some play Max was in when he was in kindergarten. All right, Alex, I need you down here. Alex, come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. I think we have a video of a baby shower. 
one of you guys baby showers. I think Amy's the only one that everybody would Here, know, Amy, but just I didn't in want case her. someone doesn't know you yet. I hope I didn't dub over it. Not that baby showers are so great. There's a video from the wedding. This is footage from our wedding, shot on my brother-in-law's cell phone. The video of my parents' wedding is silent. This is all stuff that I guess other people shot because we didn't have a camcorder. But I mean, the problem is 31 years of magnetic degradation. I have no idea what it's going to look like. But it's VHS. I have a working VHS deck last time I checked, like four years ago. I don't think there's any audio, really. So I don't think there's much. It's sad. Is it? I don't know. What would we do with it anyway, right? I have no idea. What can one do with old tape to keep things straight? Me, Granny. Papa. Granny. Papa. So you've got a film that's Bob and Sherry. You've got a tape that's Bob, Sherry, and Larry. These are all, these are about five different tapes that are spliced together here, different occasions. And then you've got a tape that you made that's Bob, Sherry, and Larry, but then you're in there, even though it's not your necessarily your voice, like there's an element of you. Oh, yeah, re-recording the re-recordings. Yeah, re exactly. Yeah. In a room full of analog tape machines, Michael Live mixes reels, transcription tapes, the point where existence first burst into the world, cassettes, all kinds of things, recorded live in stereo on reel-to-reel -reel tape. The first collection of this work, titled Home Movies, was composed from the tapes described at the top. Everything I had kind of planned out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to press play on this first, I'm going to wait a little bit, press play on this one, and then see what happens, I'm going to press play on this one. Pretty simple. The cassette he was looking for in the first place was used on the 2016 album, Third Bouquet for Elizabeth. Why do you choose the family recorded tapes for creative projects? Because they were handed to me. <laughs> what are you going to do with them now? Probably hold on to them, just sit on them. I mean, put them with the other tapes. What else can you do? No. Ready? Where were we? You moved around a lot. The 2011 spring semester of film 4365 concluded with the assignment of an autobiography. I don't know what to do. I'm coming down to a deadline. Oh, okay, I'll do videotapes. And then I think during that process, in making that film for the couple of weeks, I remembered that I had that camera. 1919 Kodak out of graphic. When you look at it and it's closed, it's like the height of a VHS tape and probably two or three inches across. You push a button on the top and the lid opens just slightly. You pull that down and you can see the lens. You clamp two pieces on the side and you pull out the billows. The billows unfold. And you're able to look down into the viewfinder and see a very fuzzy image and then, ever so slightly, tick the trigger. Grandpa Bob took really good care of his gear. 
This is one of his mics, an Electro Voice 627B, run through an old brown XLR that was his. As far as we know, this Kodak Autographic has worked beautifully since 1919. But it takes an outmoded film stock, A116, which you just can't find anymore. I wanted to figure out how to get this Kodak Autographic working. So I go over to the camera doctor. We miss you, camera doctor. He taught me how to build up the spindles in size so that they could fit 120 film, which is what we have available today and what he developed in his shop. Just cutting off rounded pieces of black cardboard and affixing them with epoxy. Stack, 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 until we had the height that would fit 120 film onto that spindle. So in the film, I'm mixing together the videos, and there's a little footage of me continuing on with this process of building up the spindles. You break that? I think I started to restore it, not thinking it would be part of the film. What's wrong with it? Just feeling sentimental watching Grandpa Bob, watching us all of our family, and then taking it to that shop and learning that it's not just a piece of art, it could be restored and used. Victoria, hey, where'd you go? I never met Grandpa Bob, but I have to imagine that, given a beautiful camera that he couldn't use, he would have done the same thing. As you can tell, the recording session ended on a very, very happy note. Oh, you gonna play baby again. Why don't you just play yourself this time, huh? You know, just be Joanne. Say, this is Joanne. I'm talking to you from Cahoga Falls. <laughs> Say anything you want to. Take me just here, Doc. The mouse ran off the clock. The clock stuck when the mouse ran dead. Take me just here, Doc. That's good. Say some more. Anyway, say you say something, Nadia. Or you, you don't have to push anything. Don't push it. This is a historical recording. We're not sure about this next series of sounds from the tapes. Jenny, August 28, They're out of synchronization, certainly, as far as chronology is concerned. It is being recorded by Joyce and Jimmy Phelps. I'm just going to get it all down, and then we'll try to do something with it later. So here goes. Thank you. 
Jimmy, Jimmy, humming a song. Humming a song. Humming a song. How chronologically they got so screwed up, I don't know. It's warming up. Yeah, it's warming up. One, two, five, six, seven, eight, eleven, eight, twelve. Two, two, twelve, six, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eight, seven, eight, nine, eight, nine, we're going to cut in on this last part of this tape to explain that today my father mr phillips somehow some way this is joyce Miller class today in doing these dicta belts a girl told me that she stole a car they got all messed up for <laughs> i got it darling say i love my mother uh, how nice it is for us to be in here playing with this machine. And my father sitting on the couch reading the paper. Oh, Mama's out in the kitchen doing the dishes. And I'm up. You don't eat your spaghetti and meatballs all gone. And Daddy exposes you to inconsistent discipline. And remember, this is still Jimmy Phillips. Good night. of this tape after that big skip um, is being recorded on Saturday, March 30th, 1963. I'm five years old, and I'm in kindergarten. I cleaned the upstairs, and Daddy and Joy and Jimmy were much there. I painted the sandbox, and Jimmy and Joy were old fuddy-duddies. So in a few years, if anybody ever listens to this for sentimental reasons, they'll know what date it is. April 12, 1958. We have Jim at a much earlier age with Joy finishing off the tape. No courthouse, not to stay. They must have been doing some of them in the office. I'm just missing my dad. And I'm in and out. Mr. who works in the office in which we are recording this recording. While they're playing with the dictaphone. And we got a dictating machine and he said maybe some... We're going to cut in on this last part of this tape. Let's listen to this.
All right, Michael. Yeah. Hold on. Film a little bit more. Do you think your grandfather was the documentarian before you? Yeah, I'd say so. He used to make most of the trip videos at some point. I guess when he got this new camcorder, he let me start doing it. I kind of took over. I think I did a crappy job. Um, I think over when, when you started recording, did your grandfather stop recording? You know, I don't know if he continued. I'm sure he still records things. I know he goes around taking pictures more than anything. As far as film, I don't know if they've made any recent films, done anything like that in a long time. I've never known them to document anything on cassette. That's why that one family cassette's so interesting. Do you feel like you've followed in some way in your grandfather's footsteps? Certainly, that motivation was placed on me a lot, and I think I took it to heart. Papa always would call me his one and only, say my one and only, because I was his only grandson. I'm going to inherit his earth and his family and all these people he's influenced and affected, or I was going to be the next. I feel that now, heavily. Good day. Grandpa Bob was definitely the family documentarian in his family. And then my mother was in our family. And when he was in the convalescent center at the end of his life, that really had an impact on me. When he was there, he said something to either me or my mother saying, keep shooting the video. And I didn't realize that was like a mantra of his. But my mother says it all the time. And so it's a mantra of mine now, too, to document. I think this is my favorite spot in Quebec thus far. So where are we right now? The Grand Canyon. Well, why do they call it that? Um, Is it going? Yes. St. Louis. I get this feeling, oh, that thing just passed me by. I wish I had that. And then I get this other feeling, like I've got my phone out and I'm recording my cat. Well, that's never a bad idea, but I've got my phone (laughs) out and I'm recording something. And I wish I was just interacting with this moment and living in it. But I turn my phone off and I'm worried that I'm missing it. How do you choose when to hit record? As soon as I got my video degree, I felt this pressure from my family is like, well, you're going to be the one who was like taking movie quality images of everything we're going to be doing. I have not been doing that. I want to be there with those people in those moments. But at the same time, if we don't record it in any way, then it is gone. And those two ideas exist always together at the same time. When I went to Maui with your mom on our honeymoon, we ended up at a hotel which was very, very swanky that had a nice breakfast and they had black swans swimming in a pond out on the lanai. We got really lost trying to get to the restaurant and we ended up wandering through the hotel pool, not literally through the water. Now, mind you, we're in Maui. There are beautiful beaches in every direction, but there were all of these rich people on lounge chairs and it was packed. And there were no less than five guys standing around the pool with camcorders videoing all of the rich people in their chairs. 
And I'm thinking, A, there is nothing going on here. Why are you filming this? And B, I don't want to be a guy who spends all of his time videoing what's going on instead of being part of what's going on. And that is the way I've always lived my life. And I always feel guilty about it because I feel like there needs to be a record. One, they're your loved ones. And when they're children, everything they do is fantastic. Every new thing that they learn or that they show you is awesome. I mean, it's awe-inspiring. Again? Again? (laughs) So why wouldn't you record it? Why wouldn't you record it so that you can watch it when they're a couple years older or you get older when they're out of your house so that their children can see what they were like when they were little because it's fleeting especially when it's someone's childhood that goes by quickly you say thank you again okay i think we're gonna turn it off now no no dad it's still going i don't Joe the bee. I can't. I think about it this way. If I know my wife is there enjoying a moment with my son, that she's so present with him, that the thought of getting her camera out or any kind of recording device and hitting record is nowhere near where her mind is. But I'm, you know, a bit of a third party to what's occurring. That's when I, I will record. And what are the things like that? It's registering that you're talking. It's showing you sound wave. But what sound wave? You see? When you talk, it makes it go up and down. The things are different. Watch this. Watch this. What? Watch the sound wave. Ready? Is it a little box? My sister and her husband live in Phoenix with their six children. My parents are in South Carolina. You and I are here. So is Andy. And so when we're all together, I want to film as much as possible. I want to take snapshots as much as possible. Because we're so far apart from each other. And those moments that we're together are so important and so happy and so joyous. While I can enjoy it and be in the moment, I also want to preserve and no one in our family thinks twice about taking a photo when we're all together. What are you doing? Or videoing when we're all together. How many colors do you have? I'd hope everyone experiences family time together like that too. Because while it may put some people on the spot to like be in a video recording, I think they'll be so grateful that someone took the time to preserve that in 10 years time. There have been lots of family occasions where I wish I had taken a couple of photos (laughs) because that's not the same thing. Videoing something live is almost all-consuming. It requires almost all of your attention. And you can't talk because you're going to be the loudest voice on the video if you talk. Okay, stand by. And you can't put the camera down because you're going to miss something. I guess it is a delicate balance of when to record and when to, quote-unquote, be in the moment, but I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. 
you're in the moment and recognizing that it's a very special time and you want to preserve it. It seems to me my parents used to take a snapshot like every time we opened a present. This is the days of the Instamatic camera, so not good snapshots is what you should read into that. It was exciting for them that we were opening presents as little children, but the, the photo wasn't necessarily worth anything after that. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But they thought it was important to spend the money to buy the film and take the photo in the moment and then get it developed. And then they look at it and they're like, oh, yeah, it was Christmas. December 18th. 1992. Footage of Alex Williams's Christmas party from his preschool. This is young Max preparing the documentation for this tape. He is ready to go to the party. A party which he may never remember, but in which he will enjoy himself nonetheless. Victoria, Matt, Michael, and I all came of age as digital recording technology overtook the old ways of doing things. Nostalgia aside, is there something special about analog media? Some intrinsic property that does not translate into binary? I think it all has to do with having a physical interaction. Imagine that moment where you're going to the closet like my grandfather did. You open the closet. You smell the clothes that have been there for a while, the boxes that are maybe a little bit dusty. You reach up and you pull out an old shoebox or something that has cassettes lined up in it. And you open that box and you pull out a cassette tape. You hit the eject button on your cassette player. You slide that cassette in. You make sure it's perfectly in there. You close it. You hit that play button. And then this voice comes through of someone that you love. I mean, that's a magical thing. I don't know if it's just because of when we grew up and what we experienced in living through that, but it's not the same as moving your mouse over or your trackpad over and clicking on a a file or just hitting spacebar. It kind of connects you more with the past, I feel like. That hard plastic VHS tape and you know you could pop the top off and look at the magnetic tape and run your finger across it and hope that your VCR is not going to eat it up. You feel that way about reel to reel? Yeah, I think it's great. The sound of it spinning, especially when it reel ends and it's just hitting the tape against the machine. It almost seems like it has this warm quality to it, but that could all be in my head completely. There's a reason we still print out family photos and put them on our wall so that we can be reminded of this beautiful, tangible moment. We are attracted to a VHS tape or a DVD or a reel-to-reel, this quote-unquote archaic technology or this this out-of-date medium. But it's also so romantic that you're holding something that they held. For our grandfathers, grandmothers, this was the everyday commonplace thing that they had when they were young or when they were, you know, raising their children. Hey, you can watch it tonight. When you have prints, it's so tangible. And when you guys were young, all of our photography was on prints. And we have all of that still, whether we should or not, you know, because some of them are terrible photos. 
but I worry about digital photography a lot. I have this bad feeling that people are losing parts of their family history all around the world because people are crappy at managing computers and they just die out of the blue on you. It's like, oh man, all of my personal files were on that hard drive. And I think pushing it all online, like into the cloud or into Facebook or any photo service, possibly more perilous just because how much are you exposing your family to the world? We're all giving our data away without even realizing it. The things that we count on from our childhoods, like my grandma's horrible 8mm films shot out the window of the Lincoln, those are kind of special. The bad 8mm of me jumping off a stump when I was two. My stepmother, her daughter died, and one of the things she regretted the most about it, she never had a recording of her voice, no audio, and she was afraid she would forget what it sounded like. That's such a big part of the identity of a person, their voice and how they sound. And I told you about that when, that, when I heard that, and that had a big impact on me, I feel like. Maybe that's why I've been so focused on these family recordings, as I'm just trying to document voices. When you, you asked me to come down and talk, I started thinking about, do I have any sound of my dad? Because he's the one who's so absent from my family of origin, because he died so young. It's, it makes me really uncomfortable sometimes to think about the fact that I've outlived him by more than 10 years now. And so I think back to my dad because he was so alive and so present whenever we were together as a family, which was a lot. And whether I actually have any of his voice recorded, because I bet you've never heard it. Hi, folks. Judy and I have a few things we wanted to say to you before the children come down. And they'll be a part of this tape later on or on the other side, depending upon how long it goes. We just found this. Aunt Jennifer and Uncle Dave spent their Saturday tracking down this cassette and the hardware to digitize it. Well, what was the first thing we wanted to talk to him about, dear? Well, we were going to tell him about uh, the heavy snowfall we've had within the last couple of days. I mean, you were already the family documentarian because some, for some reason you're a 13-year-old kid and you like feel the compulsion to turn the camera on and document things as mundane as like, you know, sitting in the car <laughs> and oh, yeah. uh, walk, the, checking out the new hotel room. Yeah, and what the bathroom looks like. That compulsion was already there, but maybe they put a finer point on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it affected me in a way. Kind of started thinking about who's going to die next and <laughs> how I'm going to possibly get their voice. 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 Any time for anything in any medium, that's tens of thousands, easily. How many tapes do you think we've made together? Oh, man. Uh, tapes of any kind. Tapes, tapes where it's audio tape, videotape, digital tape. Over a hundred, maybe hundreds. Oh, it's all right. We'll, just, we'll do it again later. We were kind of obsessively recording on tape cassette for a while. You got to say the name of the song first. How many times do you think that we've been together and hit record? 
I could that could go into the thousands, maybe. And most of the times, we kept the first take. <laughs> Even though it would have been better if we just done it one more time. Yeah, yeah. But then you know, there's something to that as well. I feel like you know, you get to hear all these mistakes and how it just how it sounded when it first was born, mm-hmm. hearing the birth of something. How many times we recorded something? Oh, that's uncountable. There's. How many photos of cats do you and I trade on a daily basis? I would say on a on a low day, two or three. Mm-hmm. On a good day. <laughs> like 10 snapshots of your cat that you're going to see in a couple you hours. double digits, yeah. But you think that they're... But we only have two cats. <laughs> <laughs> but they're being so precious and so sweet and so, like, evil oh, no. that day. And you just have to take a snapshot even though you're going to come home to it in a couple hours. But it's that important right then. I think it's so amazing that that could touch someone so instantaneously. Someone's having a really crap day at work and you send them a cat photo. Day made. Like, you feel much lighter. Why are you so vicious today? Ow. I think it's amazing that cost doesn't weigh into whether someone can be the documentarian in their family now. Not to the extent that it was in the 50s and 60s and even in the 90s when I was growing up. The camera was expensive. Did you get the shot? Um, yeah, I got it. Why do you think we recorded so many things? Just kind of being obsessive about it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we both came from backgrounds where we had the tools to record and do all of this stuff. I remember when we first got together, it was what, on a film project. Well, I've rewatched that recently. I bet it was horrible. It's not great. It's, it's rough. We were editing on a VHS tape. Thanks for that, Dad. I have a lot of stories about dubbing. I try to be very cognizant of what should be easily disposable in case I should pass on because I think a lot about what happened to my mom when my dad died. But I have my weaknesses. I have a lot of VHS tapes, a lot of which are probably not very watchable anymore and haven't figured out a good way to recycle them. You know, they they won't take them in the big blue bin. I spend a lot of time collecting media, or I have at least at various junctures, like with my DVR and videotapes. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. I like to think that other people have enjoyed the things that I've recorded, but it's mostly for me. I know that. Future events such as these will affect you in the future. But the stuff you don't get rid of, by chance or by choice, the good, the not so good, what happens to all of it? Vic and I have been fixing up our old house, which inevitably means sorting ephemera. What goes to a thrift store, what goes to a friend, what you try to sell, what you need to recycle, what you have to throw out, and what you keep. We have a historical box that has you and Max's stuff in it. And I have a history box that has stuff from my childhood in it. There are some amazing things in there that, like, I would not be able to not cry if I pulled out and explained to you what they were people who've been important in my life, who've been dead for decades. 
more than likely they're just going to get boxed up and left in the attic, someone's attic, maybe my kids or my grandkids. I would hope something like that would happen versus them getting tossed out. Really, what's the difference? I mean, I guess if they're stored somewhere, then there's the possibility that someone could find it later versus if they get thrown out. They will just fall apart on their own, too. Yeah, that'll take a while. (laughs) I don't know what the shelf life for a cassette tape is, but some of those reels I have were recorded back in the 50s, and I still have audio on them. Even though she did your amateur, it was pretty good. We're wasting the tricks of these, but now... All right, we got to go now. Goodbye. we got to see Mommy. Bye, Daddy. Bye, Jimmy. Bye, everybody that's listening to this tape someday. With this, it's a very historical moment. And I'm so sorry to be well so long from your favorite choice. I'm Philip. Farewell, cruel world. Goodbye. we got to go home. See you later. Ephemeral Season 1 was written and assembled by Williams and produced by Annie Reese, Matt Frederick, and Tristan McNeil with technical assistance from Sherry Larson. Matt, Michael, Victoria, thank you for sharing your families with me. Albums to stream and handmade reels to buy at michaelweaver.bandcamp.com and a podcast to stay in touch with at ephemeral.show.